G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Everybody has faith. For instance, when you go to a restaurant, you're applying faith and hoping that that food is prepared properly. But then someone comes along and says, so have faith in God. And we say, whoa, faith in God, that's insane. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says, since we all apply faith anyway, let's put our faith in God Almighty who loves and cares for us. There is no safer place to put your faith than in God Himself. This is the day when the lost are found. children includes blessings, joy, and contentment. It also includes some challenges and some trials along the way. But that plan also provides the tools to navigate those tough times that we face. And today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to understand one of the most important tools that we've been given. Faith. It's the key that'll help us to see a way when there seems to be no way. Today, Pastor Greg helps us to put our amazing faith into practice. Let me start by saying something you might find surprising. Everybody has and lives by a form of faith. Now some might say, no, I, I don't have faith. I'm not a man of faith. I'm not a woman of faith. No, everyone has faith. Everyone applies faith. Listen to this. Even the atheist has faith. Now I didn't say they had faith in God. They have faith in something. I'm not sure what. Maybe they have faith in themselves. Wow, that'll be disappointing. <laughs> or maybe they have faith in a political system. That'll be even more disappointing. Or faith in whatever. But they have faith. And by the way, I think it takes more faith to be an atheist than it takes to be a Christian. To not believe that there's a creator and, and someone who's in control of all the things around us. But everybody has a measure of faith. And when we bring the word faith up, I think the problem is we make it too mystical. When in fact we act in faith every day. For instance, when you go to a restaurant and you order, you're hoping that that food is, is going to be fresh. You're hoping that it will be prepared properly. When you board a 747 that weighs over 300,000 pounds, that it's gonna somehow get up in the air and take you to the place you wanna go to. You're applying faith when you do that. Hey, when you step into an elevator, you're applying faith in hopes that all the cables are working and they've done their due diligence and all the checks on it and so forth. When you go down to the drugstore and you fill your medications, 
You're trusting that pharmacists knows what they're doing and they're gonna put the right pills in the right bottle. But then someone comes along and says, so have faith in God. And we say, whoa, whoa, faith in God, that's insane. Listen to this. There is no safer place to put your faith than in God himself. So question, what is faith and how does it work? What is faith and how does it work? Number one, faith is belief plus action. Faith is belief plus action. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives an excellent definition of faith where the author says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith isn't just believing something. It's acting on that thing one believes in. See, you can have mere intellectual assent towards something. In other words, say, I believe this is true. Uh, as the Bible says, the demons believe and tremble. And as I pointed out in an earlier message, the devil believes God is real. The devil believes the Bible is true. The devil believes Satan is coming back again. But he has not submitted himself to that. He is not following the Lord. But it's an acknowledgement of the truth of it. No, real faith in God is faith plus action. Belief plus action. Number two, faith does things. If you have real faith, you will do something with it. Going back to Hebrews 11, that talks a lot about faith. And by the way, I've written a book about this called World Changers, based on Hebrews chapter 11, where we look at the various people mentioned in that account and what they did with their faith. But in Hebrews 11, we read, Abel offered a sacrifice. Noah prepared an ark. Abraham obeyed, etc. They all did things because a faith with no works is a faith that does not work. Let me repeat that. A faith with no works is a faith that does not work. Everything in our life revolves around faith. We're saved by faith. We're told over in Ephesians, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not only as Christians are we saved by faith, but then we live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So not feeling. Because if you build your Christian life on your emotions, you're gonna be riding a roller coaster. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down emotionally, but faith is steady as she goes as we believe the word of God regardless of our emotions. Now, I know it's very easy to talk about faith and tell people to have faith. I heard a story about a woman who went to her pastor and said, Pastor, my husband uh, scares me. He actually said to me that if I keep coming to your church, he's going to kill me. And the pastor said, now, ma'am, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you and the Lord will protect you and it'll be okay. And then she came back a week later and said, pastor, again, my husband said, if I keep coming here, he's gonna kill me again. Just trust the Lord. He's in control. She came back a week later and said, pastor, my husband just said to me, if I keep coming to this church, he's gonna kill you. The pastor paused for a moment. He said, you know, there's a great church on the other side of town you might like to start attending. See, the point is it's easy to tell someone else to have faith, but then when you have to apply faith, it can be a different situation, right? My third point is faith can make the difference between something happening and not happening. Again, faith can make the difference between something happening and not happening. We think of blind Bartimaeus who heard that Jesus was coming his direction. So he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And someone said, shh, 
Don't bother Jesus. And he yelled even louder. Jesus, son of David, he cries out, have mercy on me. And Jesus touches and heals Bartimaeus. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? That's not in the Bible, but it's kind of true. Bartimaeus was the squeaky wheel, wasn't he? But then there are those that were more quiet in their faith, like the woman we looked at recently who had the physical ailment of constantly bleeding and she reasoned if she could touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, she would be healed. And she was, and Jesus commended her for her faith. Well, speaking of women with faith, we're gonna look at another woman now who had what I would describe as amazing faith. Important note, she was not one of the disciples of Jesus. She did not have the privilege of walking and talking with him day and night and hearing his great teachings and seeing his powerful miracles. She knew nothing of that. In fact, she lived in a different country, but she had heard of Jesus. She was a sinful woman with a great, great need, and she rallies with amazing faith for her daughter to be delivered from the power of demons, causing Jesus to say in Matthew's account of the story we're gonna read here from Mark, O woman, great is your faith. I mean, that's a pretty big deal when Jesus calls you out in a positive way and says, great is your faith. I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ was an expert on the subject of faith, was he not? Jesus, of course, was God incarnate. He created all things. He's known every person he's ever called from Abraham to Moses, from Sarah to Ruth, from Elijah to Elisha, from Peter to John, yet he specifically comments on the faith of this woman. It's something we need to look at, it's something we need to admire, and it's something we need to emulate because it was amazing faith. This woman had a problem, as I said, her daughter was possessed by demons and she needed to get to Jesus and hell or high water would not stop her. She was the mother who would not give up. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. Today he's presenting a message called Amazing Faith. It's part of his series, The Gospel for Busy People. Here he is to dig further into today's scripture. Let's read now from Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 24 to 29. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know what house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demons from her daughter, since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, well, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from the children's plates. <laughs> I love the response of Jesus. Good answer, he said. Now go home for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. If you're taking notes, here's a major point. This woman had an unexpected 
and an amazing faith. Again, she had an unexpected and an amazing faith. Why is it unexpected? Because she was a non-Jewish woman from a pagan background. Verse 26 says she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia. More to the point, she was a Canaanite. They say, well, so what? Well, remember, the Canaanites were the enemies of Israel. And, and here's another interesting thing. She lives in Tyre where Jesus went to see her. Now, Tyre is not in Israel. Effectively, Jesus is leaving the country to go visit this woman. By the way, this is the only time Jesus ever left the nation of Israel. Tyre's 25 miles north of Galilee. Sidon is 25 miles beyond that. It's a long way on foot. No Uber, <laughs> no skateboards, no bicycles, no motorcycles, no anything. You did everything on foot. That's a long way to go to reach a person, especially someone who's not even Jewish and has been raised in a pagan culture. It made no sense. The disciples are thinking, wait, what are you doing? You're, you're leaving Israel? Lord, you're really popular right now. You're, you're trending on Twitter. Uh, your Instagram account is blowing up. You have so many followers. Jesus is like, that's interesting. I have an appointment with someone. I'm going to tire. Uh, why? Well, they didn't understand why, but they were about to see why he was doing this. He wanted to reach this woman. Listen, she needed a miracle, and Jesus was going to bring it to her. This is a good reminder that as Christians, we need to go where people are. Jesus did not say the whole world should go to church, but he did say the church should go to the whole world. So he went out of his way to reach her. Now, I mentioned she was pagan, which means she worshiped false gods. Clearly, she was disillusioned with these gods. They had not helped her because they're not real. And if that wasn't bad enough, now her daughter has become severely demon-possessed. I'm sure there's some cause and effect between all those little idols in the home, those false gods, and this demonic activity in the life of the daughter. And it's a reminder for us that as parents, we have a direct influence on our children. Listen to me, moms and dads. Your children are watching you. Little eyes are watching, and little ears are listening. They listen to what you say, but more importantly, they watch what you do. Be a good example. For instance, let's say you drink in front of your kids, and then one day your kids have a problem with alcohol and you wonder why. Or you fight with your spouse right in front of the kids, sometimes even asking the kids to take sides in the argument, which is always a horrible idea. And then you're shocked when they have those same issues in their life, or whatever it is. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of the parents being visited on the children. By the way, that's not describing some mystical curse that's passed on from generation to generation. That is simply talking about a repeated behavior of sin that can be passed on. As an example, if the parents are divorced, chances are far higher that the children will end up divorced. If the parents have issues with alcohol use, chances are far higher that the kids will have them. Those are negatives. Listen to this. If both mom and dad attend church regularly, uh, chances are far higher that the children will attend regularly. So not only can we pass sins onto our children, but we can pass blessings onto them as well. Heard the story of a father and his young son who were climbing a mountain. And they came to a very difficult place on the trail. And the dad was thinking about which way he should go. 
And as he was deciding, his little boy standing behind him said, choose the right path, Dad. I'm coming right behind you. Listen to this. The primary spiritual responsibility for raising your children is not on the church. It's not in Sunday school. It's not in a Christian school. It's in your home. You be the godly example. You be the godly leader. You read the Bible to them before they go to bed at night. You pray with them and you model what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ because it's a lot easier to build a child than it is to repair an adult. The Bible says, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And in that verse, it's implying not only should you put parameters in the child's life and use uh, strong standards to raise them in, but it also implies create a thirst in them. So live a life with the Lord that will make your child desire that same relationship with Christ. And that's the mom here. She's like, I, I've got to get my daughter to Jesus. I don't really know that much about Jesus, but I know he has the power to deliver her. And so she's bringing her daughter to the Lord. By the way, she doesn't come with demands. She comes begging for mercy. And Matthew's account of the same story, we find her saying, have mercy on me. And here in Mark's account, verse 26, she begged him to cast out the demons from her daughter. Now look at the response of Christ. And this, by the way, is from Matthew 15, 23. But he answered her not a word. He answered her not a word. She's pouring out her heart. She's begging, she's pleading. He's literally gone out of his way to leave the country to be with her. And she comes with a request and he, he doesn't even respond. Have you ever talked to someone and they don't really respond at all? Uh, they're just not interested in what you have to say. They don't make eye contact or you start pouring your heart out and they pull out their phone and start scrolling through social media not responding to you. Well, that is not actually what's happening. It looks like that's what's happening, but it isn't. Jesus knows this woman has amazing faith. Jesus wants to draw this faith out and he wants to put it on display so we can all learn from it. So he sort of puts up a hurdle, if you will, but he knows this woman can easily clear this hurdle. He knew she's going to be able to pass this test with flying colors. She had an amazing faith and she would not go home without an answer. What an example for us. Some great encouragement today from Pastor Greg Laurie here on A New Beginning, his message title, Amazing Faith. Well, next time, we'll have a look at the factors that keep our prayers from being answered. As Pastor Greg continues this practical series in the book of Mark, it's the gospel for busy people. Hope you can join us next time on A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Amazing Faith. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.